I feel like my family was like super into the Olympics. We would watch it all. Definitely, I loved watching swimming when I was a kid. Now I love watching rowing, honestly. Welcome to The Other Three Years, a show for anyone who has an Olympic-sized dream they want to turn into a reality. So hi, and welcome to this week's episode of The Other Three Years. This is an exciting week. I have two of my national team teammates and uh, two Yale women's crew alumni, uh, Daisio Mazio-Manson and Margaret Hedeman. So... I didn't overlap with Daisy or Margaret at Yale because I'm older than them, but they are both amazing and have had really amazing rowing careers to this point and are both racing in the women's eight at the upcoming world championships for the U.S. So we just had a lot of fun talking to each other. So they both have like rowing in their families. And so we talked about how they got involved in rowing and kind of what led them to it and if they felt pressure to join the sport like from their families but also kind of what it means to share that experience with their parents and we talked about the transition from college to elite rowing and kind of the track their careers have taken and obviously because we're all Yale grads we talked about why we love Yale so much and some fun things from that so I also asked them some kind of silly questions to wrap things up. So it was a really fun conversation, but I feel like they had a lot to add. And I hope that you all enjoy Margaret and Daisy as much as I do. But before we get into that, here is an update on what is currently going on in my training. So we are in our second week in Urba, Italy at our pre-camp for Worlds. And we're basically just training. We've had some really good practices, um, some kind of okay practices, that's to be expected. But I think vibes are good. We've had ice cream. It's been super, super hot. So we've got another kind of stacked week of training up ahead. And it's just, you know... (laughs) piecing together good workouts and building confidence and building boat speed, putting those finishing touches on. And then before we know it, mid next week, we get to travel to Serbia and then we're going to be racing. So it's really exciting. It's a little bit nerve wracking, but overall, like I feel good and soon I will have a lot more to report. But right now it's just kind of training grind. Again, I've talked about it. The pasta is delicious and the people at this hotel that work here are so nice and everyone's doing good. It's really, it's been good. I hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Margaret and Daisy. Go Yale, go YWC. Can you please introduce yourself and you can say where you're from, if you went to graduate school, where you did that and what boat you're racing in and what your favorite pet name is. Like, like a name for a pet, either like the, your favorite name of a pet you've had or like a name you can't wait to use for a pet. That was like my fun question. Like, you know, when you're playing a name game, but I already know your names. Hello, I'm Daisy Mazio Manson. I'm from Wellesley, Massachusetts. I'm seventh seat of the U.S. Women's Eight. Um, And I rode undergrad at Yale and for Texas, at Texas for grad school. I got my graduate degree in marketing. I majored in global affairs at Yale. Okay, my pet name, I've actually put thought into this. I recently got really into cycling 
And do you know Tade Pagacha? Everyone calls him Pogi. I think that would be such a good name for like a little mutt dog. Not super little, but kind of skinny to look like him kind of. And name it Pogi. My name is Margaret Hedeman. I'm 2C of the Women's A. I'm from Concord, Massachusetts. Very close to where Daisy lives and Christy. And okay, <laughs> now it's a competition. And yes, I went to Yale and I didn't do anything after that. Well, I'm here after that. <laughs> um, and so I have two dogs. One's name is Cody and the other one is, I really like the name and her name is Brie, like the cheese, B-R-I-E. Um, she was our COVID dog and I like her name. That's amazing. Are you worried that people are going to think that Pogi is like after the rowing gloves? Oh, I didn't think of that. Don't worry. I didn't think of that. For anyone that doesn't row that listens to this podcast, when it's cold outside, we sometimes wear these things that are like mittens, but they go around the oar and your hand and they're called Pogies. I don't know why. I don't know. That is a good name for a pet though. Yeah, it is a good name. So growing up... In all in Massachusetts, what'd you guys do? Like, did you get up to some other stuff, some other sports? What were your hobbies, your activities? What were you like as a child? As a child, I feel like I just followed my brother around that I would do like any sport that he did. I tried to play football. My parents said no to football, which was probably a good move in the end with like concussions and stuff. Um, but then my brother played hockey. So I started playing hockey. I really loved hockey. But I also did like soccer, lacrosse, field hockey. Didn't really like either of those, but I liked ice hockey a lot. I think I was extremely competitive as a child. In a way that was like not always ideal. But sports helped me channel it. So that was good for me. I feel like growing up, my family was always super active. So we would just be outside a lot. And I tried a bunch of different sports just for fun like I did basketball for like one season lacrosse for one season I played soccer for a while it's funny I was I was like good enough at soccer I was just good enough of an athlete to be on the top soccer team as a kid but then once like my skill level dropped behind like everyone just caught up basically I was on the b team for the first time I was like I'm quitting because I just wanted to be good at it (laughs) um but I actually ran I did track and fields for a few years and then cross country like throughout middle school and a little bit in high school and then started rowing. But I also did Girl Scouts. Me too. <laughs> really? Yeah. That was super fun. My goal, I just wanted to get all the badges. Like I didn't care <laughs> what they meant. <laughs> it was like gold star. I was like, how do I get that? And then I just followed the steps. It was great. Did you watch the Olympics as a child? Do you have any thoughts about that? We were always in Dublin, New Hampshire when the Olympics were on because we would spend all of August there. We were like part of this like country club, I guess, around this lake. So I have so many memories of just sitting around this tiny little TV with very bad reception watching the Olympics, particularly the 2008 Olympics. I watched very heavily. I really only watched gymnastics, though. I was obsessed with gymnastics uh, and swimming a little bit. I guess those are two very popular sports, but I never watched the rowing. 
it just like wasn't on to be honest yeah i feel like i also the 2008 olympics were like the first ones that i like knew what was going on like when i think of the olympics i think of like that opening ceremonies but yeah i i feel like my family was like super into the olympics we would watch it all definitely i loved watching swimming when i was a kid now i love watching rowing honestly i agree i mean i love watching like everything but as a kid it was it was like swimming or track and field i really liked watching track and field and i think that's what was on like prime time i didn't watch rowing in the olympics until i started rowing so Margaret, your mom rode at Yale. So can you talk about how you got into rowing and then how you decided to row at Yale, if that was something you thought you'd do or not? I sure can talk about that. <laughs> she was class of 1987, rode all four years, really loved it. And she wanted all of her daughters to try rowing. I she only has daughters, the three of us. And I'm the middle child. So my older sister, Catelyn, tried rowing first. She liked it, um, but she also played volleyball at the time and decided to go with volleyball um, competitively. And then I tried rowing and liked it. Didn't like love it. I don't think, I don't know if anyone really loves rowing when they're like rowing in a barge, but liked it enough to keep going with it and kind of wanted it to become my thing. And her rowing at Yale made me not want to row at Yale because a lot of people in my life assumed somehow that I would row at Yale, even though I was like a novice rower and obviously at the time not good enough to get recruited to Yale. It was really annoying to me that people thought I would just automatically go there. So then when I was getting recruited to colleges, I kept it in the back of my mind, definitely still emailed the coaches, but was focused on some other schools. And then ultimately, I just really loved my visit to Yale, loved the team, loved the atmosphere, and I'm really happy with that decision. Do you now feel like it's like a cool thing that you had this experience that you can share with your mom? Yeah, definitely. I also have some other relatives, like great-grandparents, etc., that rode at Yale. And that is super fun too, seeing their pictures on walls and stuff. I really didn't realize how cool that would be until it happened, I guess. Daisy, your mom didn't go to Yale. Where did she go to college? Um, but she did row and she has like ties to Yale. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So my mom made a documentary called A Hero for Daisy. And that was based on this protest that took place at Yale by the Yale women's crew team. And she found out about it because she also trained at the elite level. And she was training with this woman named Chris Ernst, who was on the Yale team. And I think my mom was in film school night glasses. And like one of the projects was to make a documentary and she heard this story and she was like, somebody should make a movie out of that. And then she started making a pretty like homemade-esque movie. And then my dad actually was like, if you're going to make this, you should like go all in and like make it a real documentary. So then she did. And now it's a real documentary. And she's a professional filmmaker also. So it worked out well. Yep. And an Olympian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So it was good. I don't think at the time when I was a child, I like acknowledged how much it influenced me, but I think it's like really powerful as just like a young girl to see such strong women. I think due to like that movie and just due to like who my mom is and who she surrounds herself with, I saw a really tight community of strong women within rowing. So I think that probably influenced me to become a rower. Yeah, it's just very full circle that your mom like made this movie and then called it a hero for Daisy. It makes it more like authentic because it is a real story. When did you see the movie, Margaret? I think I saw the movie at the four, 40th anniversary of Yellow Woman's Crew. Yeah. Because I think I went with my mom and they had a showing. I'm also realizing we never said our class years. I feel like we should reintroduce ourselves and say that. I am class of 2023, but originally 2022. I am class of 2020. Yay. <laughs> no, I graduated from Yale in 2015. So what were some of your favorite memories from rowing at Yale? My favorite memories was freshman year, I think our first spring race. I was in seven seat behind Lydia Keating. And I remember we were lined up. It was at Michigan. We were lining up against the Michigan boat and their hull was like shorter I think they were in like a Resolute or something. So they were like, started what felt like a seat up. And then anyways, the race starts. I think we're down the whole race, but then we have this crazy sprint and we like sprint, sprint, sprint. And then you finish and you're like, oh, they're definitely a seat up at least. But maybe we got them because like they started up. Anyways, it was like chaos. It was like such a good race, such a good sprint chaos at the finish line we don't know then when we're paddling into the shore someone from shore screams like cheering that we won and we realize that we won and then Lydia gets like so excited I think she starts crying and she's like that's what I'm talking about that's what I'm talking about and it was just like the most hype race ever well your Michigan story reminded me of my freshman year when we <laughs> went to Michigan and we had a great race great for 1750 winning by a lot like decent amount I think at one point like Coxon was on their bow seat like I think that was the most we had and then they just like last 250 just walked through us completely killed us <laughs> it was terrible but yeah I'm glad I'm glad you had a great time at Michigan before that because yeah that was pretty brutal my favorite memory actually I don't know I can't say this is my favorite memory but one of my favorite memories is baseball house for <laughs> I have to bring this up again just the vibes immaculate come back okay end of this picture this Late August, like Yale wanted to rename what they call freshman orientation. And we had a vote and you could input what you wanted as your vote. So some people were like, oh, we should do Camp Yale, like as the official Yale thing. And then 
everyone voted and people voted for Campiel. So now freshman orientation is called Campiel, really? which is epic. Isn't that awesome? So Daisy, can you talk a little bit about doing your post-grad year at Texas? How that came to be in COVID? Yeah, so I, my senior year is 2020. So we basically like COVID shut everything down right when our plane landed actually for our first race, which was a real bummer. And then after that, I was like, I feel like that was one moment where I was like, okay, it made me feel closer to Yale kind of and feel like, like really close to the team in a way where we were like all going through this together that I was like, I will never row anywhere else. And then one of my friends was like, you should think about fifth yearing at a different school. And then I was like, no, immediately my first thought was no. And then I remember I was talking to Will about it because at that point in time, Will was trying to convince us to come back to Yale for a fifth year. And then like, whatever, two weeks later, Yale was like, you can't come back. So once that happened, Will was like, you should go somewhere else for a fifth year. And I hadn't really thought about it until he said that. And then once he said that, I was like, okay. And then I just started talking to schools and it was all super last minute, but it just worked out at Texas that I would be able to join into this marketing program, which seemed like a really good opportunity. And just, yeah, it was a team that had never won a national championship before, but they were super just like on the ups and just like a really competitive team. And I talked to the coach there, Dave O'Neill, and he, I don't know, he just sold it so well. I was like so excited at the prospect of being a part of that team that, yeah, it just seemed like the right place to be. So then I went there. It was like COVID-y during the fall. We had a super long, we had like Thanksgiving to Christmas off. So then I was home for a while. Then I went back in, in the end of the winter and then all the internationals were back. And that was like when we started getting into big boats and I was like, this is absolutely sick because all these internationals are just, they were so good at rowing. It was like rowing. Like I had not seen up to that point. So yeah, I was just having honestly such a good time. And then we won a national championship. (laughs) It was good. When you went to Texas from Yale, what was like thinking about the team? What was the biggest thing that maybe took you aback or was it different from Yale? Well, this is hard because I don't know if it's a reflection of Texas or a reflection of COVID. But when I got, and especially being new, I like didn't really feel, especially in the fall, like feel a cohesive team. Like I feel like at Yale, it was like teammates were like so much more than teammates. Like it was like really kind of a family. And at I mean, when I first got to Texas, we were in like really small groups. I don't think we could have more than eight people at the boathouse. So like I felt really close to my roommate because she was also on the team. But like beyond that, I you couldn't really socialize with people. You couldn't really gather. You couldn't even really practice together. So I like definitely didn't feel as much of like the team camaraderie when I first got there. I feel like it's so awesome that you got to like have that experience. Like I think everyone that's gotten to do a post-grad year in the Ivies because of COVID, like that's amazing because 
college rowing and college went by way too quickly and to have some of it taken away from COVID just sucks. But it does seem just like crazy to me. I don't know how I would have fit into a different team. But people going now will have to race. Like all of the people your class, Margaret, are going to race Yale. I feel like that would be weird. Did you consider doing a fifth year? Will also tried, not tried to convince you, but was like, oh, you should consider taking a fifth year. And I considered it for maybe half of a second and then realized, I don't know, it just wouldn't fit in with what I'm trying to do right now in terms of rowing and in terms of what I want to do after rowing. It just didn't make sense to me. And it's obviously a really enticing offer because it's basically a free year of school. And if you go to a good program, like a potential NCAA championship, which is really cool and awesome, but it just didn't make sense with my professional career path. And you had one year more of school than you. Like, Well, that was a good segue. So outside of rowing, what do you do anything outside of rowing right now? these days. That's okay. You can say no. You can talk about Craftsbury. Well, right now, outside of rowing, I did the school newspaper, which was super fun. Made a lot of friends there. And then now, outside of rowing, I have a part-time job. I do research and I really like to dog sit. But yeah, my research is super fun. That started recently. This training center that I'm at, like this whole year leading up to selection is like this really cool outdoor center that's based in Vermont. And it has four different elite teams associated with it. There's rowers and skiers, biathlon and runners. And the way that it's set up is that we all live on campus and they provide housing and food and essentially like all the support that we need, like, VO2 testing and like massage and stuff like that. Um, and then we work at, around the center for like 10 hours every week. So I feel like I stay pretty busy up there. And a lot of the jobs that I do, we like run community programs. So we like teach community members how to row. Um, we host a lot of ski races in the winter so like if you need like timers or stuff like that we'll do that recently I was able to set up this speaker series so we brought in a lot of foresters and like environmental activists and brought them in to speak to the local community yeah so it's super cool I feel like I get to learn a lot of jobs like I, I've learned definitely a lot about sustainability and I just have learned a lot about like the Vermont outdoors, but then I've also like taken apart sheds and like built signs and like have done a lot of work with my hands that I don't think I otherwise would have done. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Crafts were super cool and learning things like learning how to do things like that. I actually think is a good life skill. Sometimes I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Learning how to install a race course and build a dock and do all these things. But I feel like it will come in handy one day. So we're almost to our fun questions. But like, did you guys know you wanted to keep rowing after college for a while? Or 
were you more focused on like what was happening in college and then kind of opportunity presented itself? Yes. I think always thought that I was going to keep rowing after college. I think a lot of that came from like my parents that they were both elite rowers and neither of them, they were both on small teams in college and then really found success like afterwards that I think in my mind, I wanted to achieve as much as I could while I was in college. But I was like never satisfied that I think in my mind, like real success comes after college. I always wanted to be the best in the sport that I could be. I always knew that I wanted to row and be really good at rowing. And my freshman, sophomore year of college, I thought to myself, okay, I could be good on a collegiate level, but I'm really not sure about anything after that. So my goal right now is just to be good at the collegiate level and probably not row after college. And then I did U23s in 2021. I was in the quad. So I got cut from the sweep team, um, but I made the quad. And Molly Hamrick was our coach that year. We did okay at Worlds. We were like middle of the B final. Um, But after Worlds, Molly said to me something like, oh, you should email Tom and Laurel, the the coaches that, that were coaching the women's sweep team at the time, because she, Molly said, you should email them and just, I like, I think you could do this after college. And I, my reaction was, oh, like, I didn't really, didn't really think of that, but I'm excited that you just said that to me. <laughs> and so that's when kind of the gears started rolling in my head, I think, potentially pursuing rowing after college. Okay, on to our fun questions. So if you were to represent another country, which country would you represent? I like South Africa because it's a small enough country that I feel like if you were a standout athlete, then you'd kind of be the standout athlete and that would be fun. But if you rode for like GB, you'd just be one of... 2,000 million amazing athletes that they have. I think as a rower, if I were to represent another country, this is just based off of Instagram. But I think the Irish team seems like they have such a good vibe that I think I would love, I'd love to be a part of that vibe. So probably Ireland. Yeah, big, strong girls. Um, what other sport would you have played if you could be like this good at another sport? And I guess what country would you like to play that sport for if not America? I would want to run track for the USA, but I would want my event to be the heptathlon, which is like a bunch of different events. It's like javelin, shot put, and then a bunch of different track events. A, sponsorship deals out of this world. B, they just seem so cool. Like the track athletes, they just seem like they really have it going for them. And I would want to do the heptathlon because I would I, I would want to be good at a bunch of different things with my body. Like I don't want to be just good at the shot put. I want my body to be able to 
do a bunch of different movements, but very well. I would want to be a hockey player for the USA because growing up, I absolutely idolized the Olympic women's ice hockey team. I think they're super cool. And I still, to this day, think they're super cool. They are super cool. But you guys are cool too. What reality TV show would you choose to be on? I would be on Wipeout because it seems really fun, first of all. Like, if you wipe out, that's fine. It's You just go into water. Like, that seems fun. And I also think that I would be really good at it. And I think that that's false positivity on my end. But I still feel that way for some reason. I just think very confident that I would be able to beat the other contestants because... I don't think that they take it seriously enough, and I would take it very, very seriously. I would love to be really good at singing and go on The Voice. In my current state, I would not want to go on The Voice. I I realized I would want to be on Shark Tank. Oh, yeah. 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 But the Great British Baking Show is also really fun. To change topics, what is your favorite pasta shape? I think... Uh, well, it depends on the sauce, obviously, but we don't have time to get into that. I think in a mac and cheese, a large, not a super large shell, but a, a larger size shell is just perfect because then it scoops up the cheese right inside. My favorite pasta shape is, I don't know the name of it, but I describe it as the a PVC pipe, but the one that goes on the end that makes it like a corner, a corner of a PVC pipe. And so it's hollow. It looks like a mac and cheese elbow thing, but it's bigger and more fun. And yeah, that like with butter. Perfect. Amazing. If you asked me this maybe a month ago, I would have said guitar. But if you're asking me today, the fiddle, I think <laughs> the fiddle is unbelievably hype it just brings so much energy i think it's so cool they took a violin and they just changed it i mean they they changed the way they played it and now it's like so hype so yeah the fiddle that's a good answer um i would play the electric piano because i just think when they get their solos that's a really cool moment and i feel like they add so much to the sound of a band or or whatnot and i took piano lessons when i was younger as a lot of people do i feel like hated it cried every second i feel so bad for my mother and i really just got basically the first moment she was like okay you don't have to take piano anymore i said okay i'm not taking piano anymore and i do regret that I'd like to listen to your band of a piano and a fiddle. Sounds nice. What is your go-to snack? I love baked goods of all sorts, but I love brownies. That'd be a good snack. Focaccia is a good snack. Croissant, a good snack. Any loaf. Yeah, in practicality, though, I eat a lot of Cliff Bars, but I'm not going to hype that up. I love a loaf. Oh, I can only hyper fixate on what I'm eating right now, and that is Mott's fruit snacks. Um, just because they're available to us and great to have in the boat. So I take like two packets in the boat with me. And Emily makes fun of me if I eat them before practice. And so does Yozi because he's like, 
oh, are you having a snack? <laughs> are you like eating candy before practice? And I'm like, no, energy. <laughs> but I really just, I eat it because it tastes good. If you were in a different boat class for this world championships, which would you choose? This is a tough one. I, I'm having a, I ha, I'm having a great time. I really do like the eight. I think that four people is the perfect number of people to have in a boat. Cause I think you don't spend too much time with anybody. Like there's a group, but there's not too many cooks in the kitchen. So I would love to be in the quad or the straight four, but I am extremely happy in the eight. Okay. I also agree with you. I think four people in a boat is great. I think straight four is my ultimate boat class i i just really love straight fours but i'm not trying to step on any toes here so i think my rogue answer is going to be the single because i think no one would expect anything of me if i were in the single and i could just kind of free for all it and that'll be super fun so this week's Ask Christy Anything comes from Margaret. During our conversation, she asked me some fun questions. So here they are. So every week on the podcast, we do something called Ask Christy Anything. So do either of you have a question you can ask me for Ask Christy Anything? If you had to get a second Olympic rings tattoo, where would you get it? <laughs> and, okay, and... Are you happy with the placement of yours? So it's a pretty good story, actually. So when I was a kid, my parents told me that I could get my ears pierced when I was 18. And when I was 13, I was like, no, I'm going to get my ears pierced now. <laughs> and I was at my cousin's house in California and I went and got my ears pierced and then I think I asked my dad like for permission after I'd actually done it. And he said that it was okay if I got my ears pierced, as long as I promised never to get like any other piercings or tattoos for the rest of my life. And I at 13 said, what about the Olympics? What if I go to the Olympics? And he said, if you go to the Olympics, you can get the Olympic rings tattooed on the bottom of your foot. And so basically the tattoo almost is on the bottom of my foot. So that's why I got it there. And it hurt so badly. I, some people have it. Some people don't. I'm, I felt a little self-conscious of it at first, actually, because I didn't want it to seem like I was gloating it. But I am really proud of myself. And the story is like very meaningful to me. So if I got it somewhere else, I don't know. I would have gotten I like this spot because I can like hide it. I think it would be tough to have it like right on your arm. Like the first thing anybody says about you is like the Olympic. Not because it's something to be embarrassed about. That just would like, I feel like you'd have to talk about it quite a bit. Well, thank you guys so much. It was so fun. And that's it for today's show. I hope that everyone learned a bunch and had fun and feel inspired because I know I do. Uh, to end the show, here's a few lines from the poem If by Rudyard Kipling. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters the same. The whole poem's pretty good. I'd check it out if you haven't. So thanks for listening. Have a great week. I'd love to hear from you. 
So send us a topic suggestion, or if you'd like to submit a question for our Ask Christy Anything segment, head to our website, theother3years.com.